Hello and welcome to the Endure Stronger podcast. We're a podcast made by runners for runners. We go to you guys to get stronger, bulletproof your training against injury, and build resilient bodies for life and racing. We're passionate about serving the running community and we bring you the most interesting and accomplished guests to inspire you and keep you attained on those long, slow sessions, which we're actually going to be talking about today. And um, if you want to call us your interesting and accomplished guests, that's fine. That'd be great. Yeah. I'm Sam, I'm your host Sam McIntosh and I'm a writer and a certified nutrition and weightlifting coach and I'm here with Laura Rutterford, a chartered physiotherapist and Pilates specialist. Hey. So this week, it's just going to be us. Um, we like to think that we're somewhat experts, I mean at least Laura does after 10 years of practicing. <laughs> and we're going to be talking about strength training um, for runners versus just doing at long slow distance. This is a big debate in the running world right now. Um, if you go into all of the popular podcasts, you'll hear uh, probably someone like Brian McKenzie advocating for strength training and then someone like Matt Fitzgerald or James Paul advocating for the long, slow distance side of things. We're going to just pull apart the arguments. And I think the key thing that to remember, well, the key thing to, to, to focus on for us in this session is to not be about, you know, focusing on what's right, as in what's right and irrefutable and what's wrong so whether long slow distance running is right or wrong absolutely and whether strength training or mixing up with the crossfit endurance method um is the right way to go as well i think there's definitely a plan out there for everybody and i think let's just remember why we're all running in the first place we're running because we love to run and we need to find a way to make that great and fun for us in the long term yeah i would say exactly like um, we focus as practitioners. I mean, yeah, we have a program that has strength training in it, and but it also has a lot of stability work and it focuses on nutrition and basically saying this is the stuff that we think will make your running better um, in our experience. But we're definitely, you know, we were talking about this earlier. We're not, we don't fall on each side of the line and we don't try and say our method is the best method. And um, if you don't adopt it, then you're going to be injured for life and you're a crap runner and you can't call yourself a runner and all of this other really <laughs> extreme stuff that you see on the Facebook groups and on the social media communities these days. That's not what we're about. So obviously I'm a strength coach. My bias is, yeah, strength strength training is awesome. If you do strength training, you'll be happier and you'll have more longevity in your mobility and things like that. And you, as a Pilates instructor, um, as well as a physiotherapist, you know, you're like, okay, well, stability is incredibly important and that sort of thing. But we don't, I mean, as far as I know, you don't, we don't compete with each other for which one's more important. Absolutely not. And I think that's just so important that, like I said, everybody has a completely different approach. Everyone has a different need. Everyone has a completely different lifestyle. So, you know, when we're debating whether long and slow is right, for somebody or whether it's better to have slightly shorter sessions for their training that might need to incorporate a little bit more strength everyone needs a different approach you know you can't compare somebody that has a 12-hour work day with a family a hectic social life to somebody who has a lot more time in their day and make one program that works for everybody it just it just can't work that way everyone's got to have a different approach that works for them yeah and unfortunately when you're passionate about something and you see people doing incredibly well at it, like um, Olympians like Mo Farah, Ailish McColgan, Joe Pavey, Paula Radcliffe, when you want to get better at it, you look at people at the pinnacle of the sport and say, well, what do they do? I want to do that. I I want to do whatever they do because I want to be the best I can be. And they they are obviously at the pinnacle of the sport. So what's their blueprint? And it just doesn't work like that. If they, um, it may be that they don't do any strength training at all. Like we were talking to Ailish McColgan. She doesn't do any work with weights. She does a lot of stability and theraband work. A lot of body weight resistance. A lot of drills, sorts of things. And it works for her. Clearly it works for her. She's going to her third Olympics this summer. Same thing with um, Mo Farah and Paula Radcliffe. You know, Dane Kelly Holmes does, we can see on her Instagram all the time. It's awesome. She's doing barbell work and that sort of thing. Obviously, she's not um, a competitor anymore and she's in retirement, but she's clearly bringing some stuff that she used to do as an athlete and continuing it because she likes it. So, yeah, that would be our main, our main, uh, what what would we say, disclaimer before we start this, (laughs) is that we're going to discuss both sides and basically advocate for both sides but also so try and get away from this extreme thinking of 
don't dismiss either one out of hand. Don't dismiss long, slow distance out of hand and don't dismiss strength training out of hand. Be open-minded. Yeah, be open-minded. Which I just, in today's world of polar opposites and that's bad and that's good and that's cool and that's not and that's right and that's wrong, more importantly, I think people have just gotten away with it. It's a very complicated, it's a very, not, it's not a complicated picture, but it's, it's a subtle, nuanced picture, isn't it? Balancing strength training and running. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think it's quite difficult as well when you've got somebody maybe challenging your thoughts or your concepts from a polar opposite. And then, you know, people really want to believe in what they're doing and maybe get a little bit defensive. And then it makes things even more polar opposite. And actually, there's very so much to be said for middle ground, grey area. Not everything has to be black and white. There is definitely a massive grey scale in the middle that we can adapt for people. I would say that, yeah. And, and the the... The thing that concerns me is that when people listen to a podcast with a strength training advocate or a CrossFit injury and high intensity interval advocate, then I don't want them to listen to it if they just run and go, well, I don't do that. Um, is that is that wrong? Is is that should I be doing? And then go and hit four CrossFit sessions a week on top of their marathon training can completely run themselves into the ground. And at the same time, someone who you know, mixes it up with a bit of CrossFit and does their strength training and it's working for them and they go, oh, wait a minute, should I just go back to running? The answer is, it depends. Like, if, like, <laughs> it, it, and it really depends on your situation. What you enjoy is a big factor. Massive. Um, how well you're moving, doing each thing. Is we'll come big... back to that because I think that's such an important topic to cover in a bit more detail. Definitely. And um, what volume you can cope with, which in my experience, you know, training athletes, it's very different for different people. Some people respond really well to low volume training. So they could run a marathon PB on three sessions a week. Some people respond really well to high volume training. So, you know, 100 plus miles a week um, and they cope really well with it. And the main thing to remember when thinking, is my training going well? Are you injured or are you in pain? Do you have, do you frequently have niggles? Big questions to ask yourself. And the second thing, are you enjoying it? Yeah. Like if you're not enjoying your training and you're in pain, yeah, there's some work to be done. If you're enjoying your training and you're getting through 12 to 16 week training cycles uninjured, pain-free and happier. Good for you. Yeah. Don't listen to someone on a podcast and say, you should be doing it like this, you know, that's 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 what works for you clearly and i think also if you're confused and you know there's so much so much information out there so many different opinions and you can get into what this what we call analysis paralysis can't you and there's just so much information coming in if you're not sure what to do and you just want a little bit of advice contact us or your local physio or contact somebody that you can have a one-to-one meeting with that can get to know your lifestyle you as an individual and work out what's right for you yeah and also don't take any suggestions as to what you could do better from I mean we found this from being a part of the Facebook community especially the group community and runners don't take it as a personal attack on you and your style of training if someone suggests that something may be more beneficial so I'll give the example of the weight training post that we put out Oh, last, yeah. that, I, that I wrote for our social media last week where it was like are you weight training don't wear your running shoes wear flat shoes and that was basically the gist of it um and that was so much like 75,000 people interacted with that yeah. post or something and some people were just like oh that's great I didn't know about I didn't know that and some people just took it as a personal attack <laughs> and I had to say to a couple of people in a really polite way look calm your nuggets I wasn't <laughs> saying that it was um the worst thing that you were a terrible person for wearing running shoes when you're doing weight training and I also wasn't saying that if you don't do weight training you're missing a trick I had a lot of people say well I don't do it not every runner has to do it why are you telling me that I should do it and I was like whoa not telling you that you should do it for one thing it was a if you do it it's better to not wear running trainers because you know um they're unstable and you want to be training stability in your body especially when you're moving around with resistance weights and it's better to just um you know have a flat soled shoe and then the other people who are just like not everyone can afford another pair of shoes you know okay I, I appreciate that. I was just talking about literally a pair of plimsolls that you could get from Primark or something like that, or even just go and barefoot in the gym if they'll let you. But it was like they were sort of waiting. They were very defensive, weren't they, yeah, about was... their method? And it, it was like, wow, didn't realise. if you generated this much conversation and so many opinions flying through, then it's obviously a topic that needs to be discussed that's not discussed enough. Yeah. And, you know, the people that did get slightly defensive 
Well, that's great because it allowed us to be able to generate a conversation with them to see why that opinion was so strong and actually get to the bottom of it. And I think you had a few people that actually, after a conversation about it, realised that there were other things that they could be changing or interpreting differently um, yeah. about that comment. So, Are you thinking about the guy who said that he was a physics a physicist. Oh, I've forgotten about that, but that yeah. was actually a, a fantastic conversation that came out of that. Do you want to talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, so... Um, lovely, lovely guy. Yeah, he, he was a nice guy, but it just shows that you can have this sort of... these misunderstandings on mm. the internet. He, he basically commented on a post about weight training and doing it in running shoes, and I put it into the context of, you know, you're affecting your force and power output by the, you know, the absorptive nature of the bottom of running shoes when you're doing especially when you're doing Olympic weightlifting, like cleans and snatches, but back squatting, especially deadlifting, you should definitely not be doing in your running trainers. And he just commented something flyaway, like, you know, I'm a physicist and I, I giggled at this. And basically that, that appeared to me as like he's belittling it. And I was like, oh, actually, are you a physicist? Cool. Can you actually talk to me about why this is funny? Your because, interpretation of Yeah, this. because... Um, because if I'm misspeaking, I really want to know. And what the, the crux of the conversation was he was he said you know human force out power output and absolute power output and responded with this paragraph he was like that's why i thought and then he was like but you know what i'm being really persnickety and i'm approaching that from a bias of a i love that word yeah bias of a physicist and we actually ended up having a good conversation and i think people around this thread which was getting very contentious were a bit stunned that we just had a discussion as basically yeah. two people having a scientific discussion about the differences between biomechanics and physics and that sort of thing. And that brings us to the whole podcast, really, doesn't it? We got off, went off on a bit of a tangent. There is, There are so many practitioners out there who advocate for strength training, interval training, high-intensity, CrossFit-style workouts. And obviously, Brian McKenzie is the, is the person who comes to mind, who we both have an immense amount of respect for, don't legend. we? Legend. Yeah, absolute legend. Um, complete change maker in terms of the, the knowledge that he, he's brought to the endurance community and switching up the standard method of long slow distance we really enjoyed his book power speed endurance mm-hmm. um he's always replied to every comment that i've posted on his social media and um he's just generally a cool dude isn't he but um he's generally the, who we think but he's not the only guy who's advocating for strength training in running no. there are a lot of people out there alex viada is the other guy who um he actually practices concurrent or, or coaches concurrent methods and when concurrent we mean not just supporting your training with um, strength work, but actively trying to get stronger and put on muscle mass while improving your um, aerobic capacity, which is a much, it, well, it's an incredibly dif- different game to using strength work to bolster your endurance sport, trying to get stronger at both things, as in that's why it's called concurrent training. That's a whole other board game, very delicate, and his methods on that are second to none. He is the guy you go to for that. Um, but you have, yeah, that side of the debate, which which is usually re- represented by Brian McKenzie, but there are loads of other practitioners out there who advocate his methods. We, as, as you know, the Endure Stronger coaches that we are, we advocate, obviously, incorporating strength training for longevity, for bone density, for injury prevention. Yeah. And then on the other side of the debate, but I don't want to say, I'm hesitant to say the other side of the debate, because we would never stop our clients doing long, slow distance too. No, you have, both methods have such amazing aspects to them so we're definitely not saying the polar opposite like there are definitely amazing things to both but, but they seem to have gone on either side of a fence yeah and seem to have been presented by a lot of frankly mainstream media journalists who who don't know what they're separating when they separate them mm. um with a lack of knowledge of the different systems in the body and how they actually complement each other rather than pushing each other apart then you have the long slow distance guys the 80 20 um method of running which has been popular popularised by Matt Fitzgerald, but which was originally Arthur Lydiard's model from the 1940s yeah. of building um, an aerobic base phase. And just if you want to run in layman's terms, just go out and run and do, do long, slow distances, accumulate 100 plus miles per week and um, and train for your for your event that way. And the, the whole advocate, the, the advocates for this method are, you know, people love to run, so they should they should just stick to running they want to get better at running so they should just stick to stick to running and anything that interferes with that process is probably going to be um maladaptive to the progression of the athlete and there are problems with that 
as well. So um, I would say the the guys who who just advocate for long, slow distance, actually, I, I wouldn't say they're the problems. I'd say it's the people who point fingers at strength training, at um, high-intensity strength work like CrossFit mm-hmm. endurance method, and say that is inherently bad. That is something that should be dismissed out of hand and not done. And, and again, and this is something that's going to be a resounding message for me, and I'll probably say it many more times in this, not everything is right for everybody and you can't be closed-minded about these things. There are different options for everybody. Yeah, there are. And I would say it is incredibly... It would be incredibly remiss to dismiss to dismiss both methods out of hand. Yeah, of I don't feel that you should dismiss long, slow distance out of hand and you shouldn't um, dismiss strength training slash CrossFit endurance slash the power speed endurance method, whatever you want to call it, out of hand. But instead, look at both methods... And as we're going to pick them apart and think, will that work for me based on my enjoyment of my training, based on the holes in my training and based on um, whether or how how recurrent my injuries are and how much pain I'm in when I'm run, when I run. So, yeah. So let's start with the um, strength training side of things, CrossFit endurance, Brian McKenzie. And like, I don't want it to sound like Brian McKenzie is the only practitioner in this area because he is not. But... The CrossFit model is something that we're both really familiar with because we both used to train in CrossFit, didn't yep. we? And as an Olympic weightlifting coach, I used to train CrossFit athletes all the time. You used to train me. I used to train you, yeah. <laughs> and um, working in a CrossFit gym for five years, a gym that is now the biggest CrossFit gym in the UK, we did get runners who were, they identified as runners and like, I'm training for a marathon, I'm training for a half marathon. And they were interested in getting stronger and heard about the benefits of CrossFit, maybe with a CrossFit endurance flavor, came to try out CrossFit to improve their running. And in my experience, they saw improvements in their running from doing CrossFit. It is a good thing to do in terms of strengthening tissues and, you know, planes of movement that aren't necessarily touched on in a mono what we would call a monostructural sport like running which is literally one it's very repetitive very repetitive over and over um i would say yeah they they definitely saw benefits from doing crossfit but what i saw a lot of is that they didn't know how to manage the two together the balance yeah exactly and then you you've got people that we know that you know did a little bit of crossfit on the side of their running and then also people that got into crossfit absolutely loved it but then the balance went completely the other way they were doing a lot more crossfit and not as much running and then the balance was lost and then actually their running style actually it it was hindered by by that that balance shifting too much the other way so i think again everybody needs to find the balance that's right for them in their lifestyle yeah and this is a principle of whether you're training a mixed approach so whether you're doing crossfit strength crossfit endurance style strength um, stability and running together whenever you're mixing you're using different pathways in strength train strength and power training um as compared to a long slow distance run but it is all your body working it mm-hmm. is all physiological stress that it needs to adapt to and recover from in order to get fitter and with the guys that were doing crossfit who were runners I don't think they quite understood that balance. They were like, well, I'm doing CrossFit, but that is different to running. So I can do a CrossFit class and go for a run on the same day and I'm working different systems. So I it won't burn me out. And it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> so that's that's not how it works. You're accumulating a hell of a lot of volume there, but not only because for the strength component of a CrossFit workout, you're working. Yes, you are working that pathway, but you're also fatiguing your muscles. Yeah. They're not stress. They're not separate systems and then for a crossfit workout that's pretty glycolytic too at the same way that a tempo run or something like that would be so you're you're burning the candle at three ends um and expecting you but you're like no it's 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 different types of training so they're separate no your body is not separate you do not compartmentalize training stress it's cumulative isn't it so you need to have if you are going to do crossfit and running yes it's beneficial but you need to find your balance in terms of volume and how much you can recover from and adapt to so maybe not doing your six or seven runs a week and then still doing three or four crossfit and then still doing some stability training like all of this stuff on top again finding that balance sure so what and that's what we try to do with endure stronger We, we say right you've got your running training and we're assuming that's going to be you know, four to five runs a week. Let us know if it's any more. Let us know if it's any less. And we're going to give you two strength workouts that are 45 minutes in, in duration and Pilates, which doesn't 
I would I wouldn't say that's energy system work, is it? That's skill stability Definitely, work. Yeah, skill accessory work. And but even then, we say let us know how this is fitting in with your training, and 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 certainly there are considerations if you're tapering for a race. Maybe don't do two of the strength sessions. Maybe just do one, or maybe just leave them. Or take down some of the the runs that you're doing a week, and yeah, you know. but that will be accounted for if they've got a good coach. If they're following exactly. a good program, they're tapering before a race. But yeah, it's this fundamental lack of understanding that you need to balance the two. Now what? I think, and we've heard people, we heard um, the Runner's World podcast with the guy saying, you know, Brian McKenzie is wrong. And it's like, okay, I think, I think you're, you're kind of assuming that he's assuming just, oh yeah, just do CrossFit. Do CrossFit on top of your running. Do it for like 45 minutes. Do it three or four times a week and do your running on top of that or do less running. And it's like, that's not strictly speaking. Well, that's not I at all actually. that's the approach that he's trying <laughs> no. to come from. Brian McKenzie is a, is a, is a very very knowledgeable practitioner and he's talking about incorporating sport specific crossfit which is different to the crossfit that you're um you're going to encounter in a regular gym because crossfit is just gpp basically general physical preparedness they're preparing you to run to row to lift a heavy barbell anything to be thrown at you yeah any absolutely day. anything and anything that you'll see on a spartan course anything that you'll see you know trying to pull a car that sort of thing they're trying to prepare you for general fit, fitness crossfit endurance focuses on sport specific so they'll do wads that incorporate movements that will specifically help you swim stronger that will sp- specifically help you bike stronger to run stronger those sorts of things and to do it to to condition your muscles to be able to do them repetitively without injury right mm-hmm. so it's 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 bad to dismiss it out of hand this guy spoke as well about he was like well it's tabata and it's like oh <laughs> no crossfit is not tabata you can you can get crossfit workouts that are tabata of course and it, you can which are um for those who don't know 20 seconds on and 10 seconds off i haven't seen tabata in a crossfit gym for years like probably five Actually, years past so it's it it kind of he gave himself away there we're not going to mention his name because i don't want this to seem like a personal attack by by saying to barter, it's like I don't think that you really know. That's that's CrossFit in a in a gym very, setting in a very general yeah sense. But CrossFit endurance is a specific CrossFit style protocol for swim bike runners, not a GPP protocol for the average Joe who just wants to get fitter and walks into a CrossFit gym. Yeah. So I'd say that was the that, slight oversight. Yeah, that was the oversight there, and that I think that's the misunderstanding about Brian's work is that he he takes crossfit principles and applies them to endurance it's not crossfit you know what i mean and just throw that haphazard into your training and see what happens which by the way you shouldn't do <laughs> <laughs> the other the um so yeah brian's sort of uh, the crossfit endurance method and i think that that will sort of become synonymous with us talking about strength training and and cross crossfit for runners it's about incorporating wads workouts of the day that can in some ways replace some of the longer miles that you yeah. might be doing in training and shorten the amount of time training overall. And that's a bigger deal for people with kids or with high demanding jobs who just don't exactly. have time to put in. 100 mile weeks are no joke. That is a lot of time commitment. And if you love to run, then um, they're great. But even that will push you. And it might be that you love to run, but you know, you've got kids to take care of. That's fine. The CrossFit style endurance, because it's working similar muscle groups in a similar way and um, mimicking the sport, but at load. So you don't have to do as much. Yeah, you don't have to do the time length of it. Then there is something to be said for that. Um, And that's that's the appeal of it. And that is, you know, he's worked with so many people and a lot of people have done the CrossFit endurance method and found that they they they've gone from training 20 hours a week for an Ironman to you know something like seven or eight and they've gotten pbs yeah it is possible and i think that that's that's got an incredible appeal and so don't dismiss it out of hand if you've heard someone who's an advocate for long slow distance as no you should just run like and it's it's bad for your training you'll overload yourself that is true if you don't do it right so let's now switch it and talk about the benefits of the 80 20 method and Mm. some of some of the things that are a really great base to build up mm. um so what would what would you say are the best things about the 80 20 method from the reading that you've done i would say one of the flaws and i think one of the biases that i think brian has and other people have is that they assume you have a broad aerobic base already 
So you are an endurance athlete who has been doing long, slow distance right. for a bit, or at least um, has experience doing long, slow distance. I think the programme works great for working with people with an existing aerobic base that is huge mm-hmm. and then making them stronger and um, whittling their training down by half and still getting them results. But you need that aerobic base there. Yeah, and absolutely. a programme like 80 20 long slow distance uh, some experience at least of building the base of your pyramid in terms of aerobic work i mean that was the mistake i made when i started training for the ironman and i went went to johnny uh Payne, who's um actually on alex fiada's coaching team and he was like you can't just jump into programming like this and expect to be able to cope with the volume with no base and i was like really even if i, <laughs> even if I try really hard and he was like no <laughs> So, um, and I, but to be fair, I'd also made the mistake of trying to switch up my running style. So going from a heel strike to a mid to forefoot. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, oh, I'll just start doing it. I'll just, that's how I'll start running when really you should gradually introduce it. Again, similar sort of principle. You can't just flip flop (laughs) in the the way that you train. It has to be kind of a thing. So I'd say in terms of 80-20 running, the benefits, you you build the aerobic base that you need Mm -hmm. in order to start becoming a bit of a cowboy and say, hey, hey, I can actually train half the amount of time and still beat you. You see what I mean? Yeah. You, you need to put in those that, that work, but not necessarily forever, I would say. The other thing that I would say about the 80-20 long, slow distance is that it's very much practicing mastery. Um, so you are doing the thing that you want to do and you want to get better at a lot, but this is a big but, and you probably want to talk about this yeah, really a lot <laughs> more. The big but with that um, is that... Sorry, I just had a little sniggering moment. Did okay. you say but? Mm. <laughs> big old butt, big legs, big old jugs. That one. Um, but yeah, the big, the big consideration. So they say you sh- you should do with that is that if you are putting in a lot of hours running, you need to be making sure you're running well. I mean, absolutely, absolutely underlining, resounding. I highlight this several underlines. You cannot go out for hours and hours and hours if you haven't considered the stability aspects to your running, the good biomechanics, running with a really good system. Like, yeah. you, I mean, it's so under uh, like uh, underestimated even just being able to go out and walk for that amount of time. Yeah. You know, people go out and they might start with 5K, 10K, but actually, have you even been able to walk that distance and keep a good posture, good joint alignment, good muscle activation without fatiguing, yeah. let alone going out and doing that with impact and the fatigue that happens with that so let's even just talk about walking you know we're advocating at the moment you know there's 10,000 steps a day which has been a real eye-opener for For us yeah yeah for us um and that's something that we've been really conscious about um again building this base getting the daily activity that we're doing before we're even going out and doing our runs in the day um and doing that being very conscious of techniques so thinking about the posture that we're using, are we activating our glutes when we're even walking before we're out going out running? Are we able to keep you know our feet facing forwards, our arches supported? Mm. And actually, we've been doing this 10,000 steps a day for only a few weeks now, but I've noticed a massive difference in you know what's going on with my feet and my calves and the fatigue level that's going on with that. And I think if you are new to running and you're wanting to get into this, then absolutely start with the walking and make yeah. sure that 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 real underlying base is there if you're already running and you're already you know quite an established runner and you've been doing it for quite a long time you're performing to quite a high level you can absolutely do this stuff in addition and just improve your technique improve those levels that mean that you're not going to fatigue in the same way and you're not going to have that high risk of injury yeah and I think that's the big point for long slow distance if you like long slow distance fantastic it means that especially in the running community people love to run it's their escape it's their meditation we've just joined the running with dogs community you know it's something to do with your dog oh my god i love it yeah it's, it's it's a big part of your life and i would say do long slow distance with our blessing make sure you warm up and cool down obviously <laughs> do that with our blessing but do you get injured 80 percent of runners get injured a year and that's at least once a year. One, yeah, once or twice at a year. At least once a year. Laura's, the the deep knowledge that Laura brings to Endure Stronger is that she has 10 years experience of dealing with runners in her clinic. 
and they all have similar problems in terms of usually in the location but it's all from one reason it's not from running it's from running poorly they've 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 gone out and they've started to run and yeah they love it and that there's something to say for that I love to run as well I attribute running to single-handedly you know getting me off antidepressants from helping Mm -hmm. me sleep better I totally get it but you need to learn how to run we are born to run as as Christopher McDougall says but we were born to run in the environment of 10,000 years ago when, when we were hunter gatherers there was no such thing as desks. There was no such thing as cars. cars. So we walked everywhere in our bare feet. And so we adapted to run, you know, with these huge heel cords that are like three times the size of one spines and monkeys. We're born to run. Yeah, absolutely. I believe that. But the modern environment has changed that and changed our overall biomechanics so that when you can't just get up and then re-inherit your birthright of someone who walked 21 kilometers a day when you barely do 2,000 steps in a day mm-hmm. would you agree with that yeah and I think it's really surprising sometimes if you and there's a lot of this in questionnaires and a lot of parkies will say you know are you highly active sedentary somewhere in the middle and I think a lot of people have a misinterpretation of the amount of activity they do in a day mm-hmm. um you know we sit in a car on the way to work we have a desk job we sit in the car to come home we might go for a half an hour run but then sit down for dinner sit down to read a book or watch telly or whatever um and the percentage of our day that we're active is very very little so i think people can be surprised as to which category they actually fall in sometimes and again just building that underlying base of more activity throughout the day can really make a massive difference in terms of our injury prevention definitely and 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 this is where, um, this is the bit that Brian McKenzie got right, in my opinion, like I would say, which isn't the be all and end all before we get attacked on Facebook again, <laughs> <laughs> before they get the pitchforks out, is that his, the, the traditional model at the moment for runners is volume. Mm-hmm. And by volume, we mean the amount that you run and then intensity, so speed work, and then skill is at the bottom. And he basically turns that pyramid upside down. Skill is the base of the pyramid. Yeah. And then you apply intensity. So can you run well? Apply intensity. Can you run fast and run well? Can you keep that good running posture when you're running fast mm-hmm. under intensity? And then once you have got those first two things, you put the long, slow distance. Knock yourself out if you want to do that. That is, And that to me, that seemed a more sensible model mm-hmm. than just applying loads of volume with no skill. Because, yeah, as I say, we you need to learn to run. We we were born to run, but you need to learn how to do it properly because of all the hamstring shortening, injury-producing sitting that you're doing all day or likely doing all day. Um, you need to put that work in. And I think, and if you are, and this is our position, long, slow distance, your heart out. Yeah, if, if you've got <laughs> do you know what I mean? And, I mean, again, that varies so much from person to person. When you think about the training that we're doing, you're your training is completely different to what I'm doing to my training. Yeah. You know, you're you're obviously a much higher level runner than I am, but, you know, taking into account the fact that, you know, I have some hip issues and my aerobic base isn't as good as yours um, and I definitely fatigue with my technique a lot quicker than you do, um, it's just so important that everybody has their own approach. You know, so I'm coming at mine at the moment from a let's build up the walking and slowly introduce the running because I know from going out on some longer runs with you, that if I try and keep up with you or I'm trying to do the the slightly faster paces, my body just can't cope with it. It fatigues really quickly. I can feel the biomechanics changing for the worse pretty quickly, and that's not going to be productive for me in the long term. So, yeah, just making sure that everybody has their different approach that works for them. Yeah, and I, and I think that brings a great point about don't... Literally, don't run before you can walk, but do that in the gym and when you're running. Mm-hmm. So we, we spoke a little bit about before the podcast, a lot, and this is a mistake that I made before I got a proper running coach, uh, well, before Johnny educated me on the importance of aerobic base. When I had a marathon training plan and the plan was three miles, five, five miles, three miles, eight miles or something, I didn't have any slow or tempo pace in mind i just went out there and just just did it attacked it like a motherfucker yeah i was just like <laughs> right like three miles and then five miles and then three miles and then necessarily the eight miles was slower and i knew that i sort of had to pace it a bit more than the three miles but i had no concept of threshold pace or you know slower 
pace, marathon pace, that sort of thing, which is incredibly important if you want to build fitness. And I think that's where the drunk mile thing comes from. The guy on the podcast that we're talking yeah. about, he said that comes from cycling. And I was like, mm, I don't think it does. There's definitely junk miles that you can do in running. where And we, we see this with people who basically don't want to go below a certain pace because they think it's slow or because they think, you know, they're posturing and peacocking on social media. <laughs> and you see their pace and it's like they go out for a three-mile run and it's like... And they'll hammer it. And, and and they'll take a picture of their Garmin, the old Garmin pose, take a picture, put it on on um, on social media. And it's eight minutes. And then they'll post something like, got my slow run in today, and it's like eight minutes 40. So the tempo run is at eight minutes, and then there's, the long slow run is eight minutes 40. It's like, okay. It's not different enough to be able to yeah, yeah. from the different so types of training. Then you're just work, working in... Um, and I heard, um, heard a triathlon coach... I think it's on the um, the Swim Bike Mum podcast, the other twenty four hours podcast, where he said, you know, zone. If you're constantly in zone, I think it's zone four, where your heart is working a lot, you're gonna burn out. You're you just and you're constantly working that in that without. zone. You're not gonna get very fit with that. Do you know what I mean? You haven't got an aerobic base, but you're also not working at intensity. You're just sort of middling in this really crappy area where you're running your body down, but not actually aerobically sensibly getting any fitter. And that's why I love my coach, Marius. Um, he's he's just great because he'll ta- he'll say to me like on Tuesday when I was supposed to do a steady state run <laughs> I'll get a long email saying like you did that completely wrong you 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 went a bit too fast your heart rate's like averaging one seventy and I was like yeah I'm just getting a bit worried about time and he's just like well don't I'm not okay sorry How, yeah why is that going to benefit you to, <laughs> yeah. to push yourself to the limits on every race it's not yeah so the the long slow distance thing is is great emphasis on slow like put your ego out the window and if yeah if you can run a 10k in eight minute miles um then your marathon pace is necessarily going to be significant well your training pace is going to be significantly slower by at least a minute i would like to put a challenge out there to all of our listeners that over the next week put out on your social media account if you post regularly about running on your social media account post about a long slow run that you can be proud of the fact that you went out and you did a slow paced run and stick that on social media. It's not all about how quick you're going or, yeah. you know, I did this amount of miles in this amount of time. Be proud of the fact that you're varying your training and stick that out there. Yeah. Tag us with it and we will forward it and just say, great work on the long, slow run. You're really getting a well-rounded training program. Yeah, I mean, I think, like I say, I want to say, if you're running an, an eight-minute 10K, your marathon training, but your marathon pace may not may be a, a certain amount away from that, but your training pace will be slower than the 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 pace that you're going to run the marathon yeah. in because the the coach is assuming that you're going to have adrenaline from the day, you're going to be tapered, you're going to be fueled, and plus it's not a training run, it's a race, so you're going to be, I mean, in a half marathon for the last ten minutes, you're going to be progressively building up your 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 pace to finish in as fast as you can. You're just not going to do that on training runs. And you're, you you're building do a base, yeah. Runs every single time. So it's um so yeah, it just when you see people how they train, it's like um or when what they call slow pace, it's just like look, let it go. Unclench and just post what should be a long slow pace. But generally it's usually not their posturing or peacocking as I say. They're just unaware that you need to run at different paces. For different training outcomes. Yeah. Similarly, if you're going to do CrossFit, if you're going to do CrossFit endurance, which includes, um, which includes things like you know squats, deadlifts, don't lift more than you're ready to, and lift with exactly the same model. Lift with skill first. So make sure you're like body hit, weight. Yeah, you're hitting a full range of motion. That you know when you're squatting, the hip crease is going below the knee. When you're deadlifting, you have a straight back and you're pushing through your legs and your laps are back and down. And if you're benching, make it, making sure you don't have any unnecessary elbow flare that your feet aren't. Make sure you're doing that first and then up the intensity. And then in the weight room, obviously, that's weight. So how much weight you're lifting, keeping that good form and then volume if you'd like. Absolutely. Um, but again, with volume in terms of strength training, if you're just doing it to support your running training, then yeah, you can you can take the volume up and, and that will make you an, a stronger individual for running. But then you cross into Alex Viola's hybrid athlete territory if you want to inc- increase the volume so you get stronger whilst you're running. But yeah, it's the same, exactly the same principle for each one. And I think, um, like the again, the guy who shall remain unnamed, he was on the podcast, he was like, well, CrossFit uses Olympic weightlifting movements and they are 
um, incredibly complicated that you you know they're they're high risk of injury people should be taught how to do them and it's like I, I, I absolutely agree. I absolutely yeah. agree um Olympic weightlifting movements are extremely delicate I would say people who have been lifting for three years and I used to annoy people when I used to coach <laughs> British weightlifting I was like you're still a novice this takes we're talking about a sport where they take people in Russia and China where it's really big they take kids when they're seven and start teaching them how to do it give them a PVC pipe yep and they peak for the Olympics in their 20s we're talking about high a high skill sport the Olympics snatch is considered to be the oh, most technical analysis. yeah like the most technical in terms of the flexibility mobility stability strength power speed all of those requirements is is just embodied in the snatch I hope I, I absolutely agree that if that if a runner's got a home gym they shouldn't just start doing it on youtube videos they need oh, a coach God, no. but you know the crossfit endurance model the crossfit to supplement your running doesn't say that they don't say go and start cleaning and snatching and jerking by yourself they're actually incredibly useful for running but yeah i would agree they need to be coached properly and before they even start having any effect on your training so the power um, and the skill that you'll get from those movements, you'll need to put in about a year or two of work before the strength starts coming over exactly. into your running because you'll be working on your technique. If you like it, then then yeah, it's worth it. If you don't like it, don't do it. There are other ways to get stronger yeah, for running. Always. See what I mean, but it's but don't just dismiss them out of hand. Like these absolute statements that are floating around right now. Olympic weightlifting is bad for running. CrossFit is bad for running. Um, you know, long slow distance is bad for your running. It's just like oh my god. Ignore them. Yeah. Let's like, find out what you enjoy. Ask yourself the questions. Am I injured? Am I enjoying my training? Am I getting better in, at, at the rate that I want to be? And if you, the answer to you, those questions, like if you're not injured and you're enjoying your training and you're improving at the rate that you want to be, don't let anyone tell you how to train. That should be, that's the overall message from this podcast. Like, would you agree? Absolutely. So, yeah, I think we've covered quite a lot of stuff here there's quite a lot of passion yeah there is <laughs> about this topic for us in fact we were we were sitting here having this conversation um over breakfast this morning we were like we've got to record this because we're so passionate about it there's so much stuff that's coming up so yeah um we hope we've got that message across yeah totally and i would say that um the the, the thing with with running as well and we're going to talk to paul hober about this he's the author of running with injuries Run, running with injuries running free of injuries <laughs> In that running is a, it's hard to get motivated to do accessory work, whether it's CrossFit endurance, whether it's strength training, whether it's Pilates, because in running there are usually, and you can speak to this more as a practitioner, there's no real acute injuries, is there? Unless you fall down a pothole and break your ankle, that's what we would call an acute injury. So the difference between an acute injury and a chronic injury is acute, it's happened because it's an accident there's a sudden trauma because there's, of something that's happened and it's a freak accident so it's something you didn't see coming it's a deer that you've run into and broken your toe because his hoof stepped on you or <laughs> that's you, the most random example yeah. so or you know you've you've your leg's gone in a pothole and your shin's gone another one way and you you've gone another that's an acute injury yeah the vast majority of the running injuries that we see are overuse fatigue biomechanical issues what we call chronic so there's acute injury which is, that's an accident, that's nothing to do with how you train, and then a chronic injury, which is basically you are moving in a way that's not immediately painful or immediately presents a problem. And when I say immediately, it could be, you could be moving like that for three to six months to a year, mm-hmm. but over, but continue. Yeah, a cumulative effect. The chronic effect of your moving like that presents what, what can be a very serious injury. So can you, what would you say in your experience as a practitioner, like, because we want to get across, yeah, it may not be a problem now. The way that you, running duck-footed may not be a problem for you now. Swinging your legs out may not be a a problem now. Not relaxing your shoulders, not not being on the mid to forefoot may not be a problem now, and that's what we want to, but if you want to carry on running, if you want longevity to your running, you have to fix this. I think that's what you've just said. If if you want the longevity of your running, if you've just got a one-off race that you want to do in a couple of months' time and you're doing a bit of training for it, but running isn't a part of your life, it isn't a passion for you, you just want to get it done, yes, you're probably going to be slightly more vulnerable, you might be a bit susceptible, any injuries up to training for that run, 
but it's not something you want to do afterwards. That's very different in terms of your goals and what you want to be doing for your training for that. But if you want that longevity and if it's something that you really are passionate about, you love to include in your life, then you need to be doing the accessory work around it. Find a way to make that fun. Find a way to make that an inclusive part of your day that you enjoy as much as you're running or if not, that that you really just understand the benefits of it and how that's going to impact your longevity in your running. Yeah. You can't go out running all the time without having a good a good stable joint strength base. Yeah. Injury is going to happen. That's it. And there's no orthotic, so there's no insole well, on let's the Let's not even get started on orthotic. Yeah, that's so, another conversation for another day. And um, there's no shoe, there's no supplement or running tight, sock, anything like that that is going to compensate for poor movement. Your body, it just doesn't work like that. I think the great analogy from that Christopher McDougall book, he says, expecting a puffed up heel in a running trainer to protect your heel <laughs> from injury is like putting an, a raw egg, putting an egg in a tea towel and slamming it against the kitchen counter and wondering why it breaks. That's the equivalent. Like I'm really enjoying your analogies today. <laughs> no, that's not my analogy. That's Christopher McDougall's. Like it, it really is. You can feel them, and you think, "Oh, they feel really cushiony." A marathon's fifty thousand steps, and they may feel cushiony when you're running around in the running thing, but your heel is going to be absolutely crying. Not just the fifty thousand steps of the marathon, but the the five hundred plus miles that you accumulate at a minimum training for it your heel is not going to be happy. And there's no, if you have no basic control of your ankle or arch and you need an orthotic to prop it up, there's no orthotic that I know of, apart from, I think, like, the statistic that Kelly Starrett, the doctor of physical therapy, who wrote Ready to Run, he said there's there's about 0.001% of patients that I see who genuinely need an orthotic. Yeah, I completely agree. The rest of them, um, you don't, it's, they're just shoving it in there because they've got pain and they're not looking it's at the It's a temporary movement. fix yeah. um, and it's not going to solve the underlying problem and that's that's what's irritating. A lot of people um, these days and a lot of products on the market are looking at giving people a quick fix. Yeah. Um, but there there is no quick fix. I can't say that enough times. There's no quick fix. You've got to do the baseline work and sometimes, yeah, it's boring. So have a chat with the person that you're working with, your physio, your coach, as to ways that you can fit it into your day that doesn't make it such a chore yeah. um, because they can be boring. And, you know, we've had these chats before. Mm. But if you can find 10 minutes in your day to do some rehabilitation, corrective work, stuff that's looking at the quality of your of your running rather than the quantity and the volume, then you will see massive differences um, in your longevity and your injury reduction. Yeah, and I would say that's a good way to round out. If you're thinking about strength training versus long, slow distance approach to running, either is fine, I would say, if you think about the pyramid. Yep. Do you have skill first, and then are you adding intensity, and then are you adding volume on top of that, in that order? Because if you do, if you're running extremely well, then we're we're with we're with the longest, slowest distance guys out there. <laughs> As long, like we spoke to Ailish McColgan, triple, soon to be triple Olympian, you know, been, has been running a long time, has had injuries, but they were acute, weren't they? That yeah, navicular yeah. bone fracture that, or, you know, thing that she spoke about. She jumped off a steeple and it smashed, like it was just a freak accident. But she's running without injury. She doesn't hasn't touched a weight in her life, pretty much. Like she does stuff with TheraBand. Perfect example. Her skill base is there. She's she's been brought up running. Yeah. She's got a wonderful coach, and she's been. Her mum was run. a world champion. Exactly. Yeah. There's no way, Adish got out on the track and was running with her legs swinging out, and mum was like, "Absolutely fine. When's <laughs> the next? On. Yeah. When's the Just next the Olympics? Yeah. From watching her mum for one thing, and looking at you know the best of the best running and emulating it, and having a small amount of you know obviously the genetics potential that her mum gave to her, and then consistency stretching yeah stability work and then and that means that she can cope with that volume if you want to include the strength training start exactly the same place skill are you moving well when you lunge is your is your knee tracking out rather than tracking in are you when you squat lunge deadlift is your weight on the outside of your foot so your arches are engaged just like they should be when you're running 
If they are, then cool, up the intensity a little bit. Maybe use that to replace some of your running volume. And then put, put if you want to get stronger, you can go down the hybrid reality and you can be, you know, the Ready for an absolutely jacked runner who can finish a sub three marathon. Whatever you want to do with your training, you can do it, but you need to approach it. Am I moving well or am I moving fast and am I lifting the most weight? Because both of those things are to do with ego. And there's, you're going to end up in Laura's clinic either way <laughs> you know you've had crossfit athletes in your, in your oh, yeah, clinic, as well as runners cyclists swimmers mm-hmm. you know those sorts of things and it's because there's been an inherent fault in their movement and that's not through them being lazy or you know any sort of personality fault which some people have taken what some of our posts to mean it's just through you, you're not sure that you're, you're not moving very well and a lot of the time we don't even know that we're not moving well yeah. you know even even people that have got you know, a lot of experience and knowledge in movement therapy, you know, so take me, for example, we were out on a run, um, we did a, an hour and a half, you know, slow, slow paced run a few weeks ago, and you were running behind me, you were like, do you know that your, your right foot's kicking out? Mm. And again, wasn't, wasn't aware that that fatigue had happened. So mm. it doesn't matter who you are, is you will benefit from having somebody check out your style and make sure that you're doing your movement patterns correctly because we don't always know yeah and it's not sexy stuff but it's people who <laughs> aren't willing to do the success the sexy who are willing to do the unsexy mundane stuff if you master the mundane then you're you'll finish races in all the glory that's if you look at olympic athletes we spoke about this with Ailish as well if you look at olympic athletes yeah it all looks absolutely like so much fun on the track but you're talking about four years of really boring shit like, to get to that stage. And she spoke as well about, you know, she missed her mum's wedding, she missed her best friend's wedding, she misses Christmas's birthdays, all that sort of thing. It's a lot of sacrifice. And that's fine. If you don't want to make that sacrifice, I just want to run, cool. But when you get injured, don't come asking me if beetroot juice is going to fix it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> or, like, what, what joint supplement and that sort of thing. Because there's no substitute for being mindful about your training and actually giving a shit about how you move. I think that's a good place to yeah. Let's wrap it up. Let's to wrap it up. So this has been uh, the Endure Stronger podcast. I'm Sam McIntosh, strength and nutrition coach, and I am Laura Rutherford, physiotherapist and Pilates specialist. We have um, a Facebook group, our Facebook community. If you're interested in joining, it's called Endure Stronger for Life. A quick search on there will bring it up, and just ask the membership questions, and we will accept you. We give out a lot of free advice, a lot of um, you know, a lot of jokes, a lot of banter, a lot of you can share your training on there if you want. We're really excited about. Um, the community that's emerging on there is cool isn't it yeah so uh, give us a search and find us on facebook we're also on instagram at endure stronger and you can find me at sam mcintosh and laura at laura.rutterford we're always open to um hearing your questions so if you have any questions or any other debates that you want to hear on the podcast just get in touch with us and um we'll certainly we'll certainly have a good crack at it yeah we love a good debate don't we but um, ultimately, you guys are our priority. We want to answer your questions and make your training better. So do let us know. Um, but that's it. The strength training versus long, slow distance debate over. Mic may drop. I would drop the mic, but it's going to make an awful noise. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> and we'll see you guys next week.